0: This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and we are joined per usual by EPFR's Director of Research, Cameron Brandt. Today, we'll walk you through what our teams were analyzing last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we see the focus on in the upcoming weeks. Last week, you were able to kind of get out of the office or at least away from your at-home desk to uh, attend an in-person event. Probably a bit of a unusual feeling, right?
1: Well, it was. Uh, it was also the gift that kept on giving as uh, the Omicron <laughs> variant hitched a lift back to Boston. So uh, this past week has... Uh, uh, has been a little bumpier though um nothing too terrible
0: right right well, it's good that you're recovering and and everything's you know back on track at least um so investors seem to kind of wean off the riskier assets this week as a list of headwinds built up around inflation, mortgage rates, foreign debt, and now extending into its eighth week the russia ukraine conflict um Equity, bond, and money market funds all saw billions of dollars pulled out this week, as well as their U- U.S. counterparts. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, all?
1: Well, in some ways, uh, need I say more after the uh, litany of horrors you just worked your way through? Uh, but yes, I mean, uh, it was a week where, you know, the numbers... Uh, uh, attached to the latest inflation readings, m- made them pretty concrete: 8.5 you percent know, in the U.S., 7.5 percent in the eurozone, 7 percent in the UK. Uh, s- some even uglier numbers in major emerging markets. You know, still over 11 percent in Brazil. So, any hopes that um, inflation will be easily wrung out of the global system, uh, which were already fairly thin to begin with, uh, took another step back last week. Finding the right risk-reward balance has been tricky for some time with the financial repression we've seen as as an offshoot of the major QE programs uh, launched by various central banks to stabilize the global economy. But uh, those calculations seem these days to be changing on a week-by-week basis. Uh, You have uh, a geopolitical black -black swan to factor in, which really, though people have occasionally gotten a little nervous about potential events, uh, such as the invasion of the Crimea really hasn't been a factor. That needed to be worked in. Uh, You know, the acceleration of inflation is really quite dramatic. Um, And uh, we have a big retiring cohort, uh, certainly here and in Europe, which you and I have referred to Before, so you know, what is the premium on capital preservation? Um, You know, there is a group that is only so willing uh, to stretch uh, for yield uh, at the risk of their nest eggs, Uh, and the week's flows I think reflected that. you know people are not particularly sure um, the uh, the evidence suggests there is uh, very little chance of the Fed uh, uh, here in some moving forward with steadily paced quarter percent hikes, uh, you know, that kind of inflation number really demands a more aggressive response. So it seems almost certain that we'll see a 50 basis point hike at the next meeting. You know, it's uh, on the other side of the Atlantic. The ECB is basically put even more chips in the transitory narrative. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's easy to shrug your shoulders, but... um uh you know it's true that uh what you know the broader trends do suggest uh some deflationary forces should uh reassert themselves uh, and then of course last week was uh was something new flagged in the mix which is the uh kickoff of the uh first quarter earning seasons here in the US <laughs> um people were sort of braced for not ideal news which certainly some of the um major US financials yeah. delivered
0: on. Yeah, so so you kind of mentioned how US equity was took a toll this week um and dragged down the overall headline number for developed market equity funds. Um but Japan and global equity seem to attract a better investment picture. Um what were you saying there?
1: Well, global is, uh, you know, it's it's the, the last best refuge of, of people who believe in uh, a diversified approach, at least uh, geographically. Um, and they've been a very popular vehicle uh, ever since we came out of the initial shock of the COVID pandemic. And really, we're doing pretty well before that in terms of attracting fresh money. So... Um, nothing too surprising there uh the modest inflows that Japan equity funds recorded um you know did snap a three week run of outflows you know I think in the case of japan uh, you know i'd been slightly surprised at the outflows it had been receiving um valuations there are relatively. Uh, comfortable especially if you are not a domestic buyer since the yen is pretty weak relative to the dollar at the moment uh inflation in japan is a level other major developed markets can only dream about um covid cases while they're ticking up or you know still you know not too terrible. Yet another fiscal stimulus package is is sort of grinding through the legislative sausage maker, uh, or at least the promise of it. Uh, um, so you know, I, the, there was no real surprise to me there. I think Japan will see some. Uh, you know, I hesitate to call them safe haven flows, but I mean it is about as far as you can geographically get from the Ukraine conflict. Um, uh, you know, and there's some uh, attractive things about the market. You know, the weak yen classically helps Japanese exporters, gives them a competitive edge. So
0: interesting. So. In the emerging markets universe, um, investors honed in on three equity funds at the country level. That was China, Taiwan, and Brazil. Uh, flows into China were three times as much as last week. Taiwan um, saw a five-week high in flow, and Brazil was the only Latin American group to see inflows or to receive inflows this week. What's the attraction for those three countries?
1: A uh, good question. Um again as we've remarked uh, on, on recent podcasts uh the activity we're seeing towards china expressed through mutual funds is increasingly uh um, being an institutional one um so i think they see the uh concern about uh what happens when you shut down your major financial center uh as uh, a mixture of risk and, uh, and opportunity, rather than an outright risk to be fled from. Uh, I think that uh, we actually saw some, you know, institutional investors who'd been thinking about getting into China, saying decent entry point. This too shall pass. Um, Taiwan uh, remains, uh, you know, a semiconductor story, the world's major se- semiconductor story um and certainly a, a consensus is hardened that um you know events in the ukraine at least in the short run make it uh less rather than more likely that china might move against what it regards as a renegade province uh the feeling is that uh there are a lot of lessons to be learned from russia's inability <laughs> to just crush ukraine uh and that uh chinese are government and military are taking the chance <laughs> to digest some of those lessons. Brazil has uh, has the alternative commodity and energy uh story going for it. Um, so uh I'm not surprised that there are weeks when it uh uh picks up some uh inflows. There's also been a feeling recently that um Uh, Russia's uh, shaky standing with a number of key indexes Um, is likely, at least in some cases, to lead to formal exclusions, which will leave some money needing to look for a new home, uh, and that Brazil uh, would certainly benefit from that trend.
0: The last um, thing that I kind of want to leave our viewers off with was something you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, which was that earnings season kicked off this week with reports from the financial sector. And next week, we're looking forward to eye-catching tech sector reports. What are you seeing?
1: What I'm expecting is that there will be a couple of the, you know, the what are being known as the fang stocks, uh, the the Netflixes, uh, uh, Alphabets, Apples, that will disappoint, um, and that that will make a fair amount of noise. Um, but I do think that overall, the technology sector uh, still has considerable pricing power. Uh, and the resilience of COVID has sort of kept kept the uh, working remotely, shopping online, etc. stories going strong. Um, so I suspect overall, the sector will uh, sort of beat uh, consensus uh, estimates more often than not. Um, in some ways, uh, though I'll be curious to see what happens among the industrials, um, the uh, sector that was always likely to be in the line of fire was first up. So we're going to get a lot of the bad news, or at least the bad news as as far as the market is expecting it, uh, out of the way early as the financial majors sort of present their numbers and sort of uh, explain why the current environment's not all that good for them. But uh, going forward, I think more and more of the earnings will at least meet, if not exceed expectations, uh, not only in tech, but in other sectors.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Cam. And we look forward to chatting next week.
1: Indeed. Hopefully we'll be much fitter.
0: Yes. Yes, definitely. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast.